Welcome to the You're Not Alone podcast, where freedom, health, and wholeness is our mission. In each episode, we will expose the lie that you are alone in your struggles and your pain. We share truth through our stories using the power of vulnerability and honesty, empowering you to live the life you are destined to live. (laughs) Well, welcome back. Hey, everybody. You caught us mid-sip in a... In case you're wondering, yes, my wife is addicted to coffee. No, I just like it. Anyways, hey, just in case you didn't notice, this is You're Not Alone. With the Richardsons. I'm Chris. And I'm Jamie. So we are unpacking our story. Yes, this will be part two of our continuation of... So if you're wanting all the gory details of our previous season and wondering what drove them to sell everything and move to Reading, this is the one you're looking for. Yep. And uh, so I would encourage you, if you haven't listened to the last one, give it a listen. If you just don't care, that's fine too. We yeah. could start. So we're going to kind of give you the recap. Mm-hmm. Of, but before uh, we get into that, maybe it's good to say that, hey, this is this has been a long year and a few months of us processing a lot of pain and yeah. seeking out healing, you know, counseling and um, inner healing and Um, just walking through this process and being vulnerable with our leaders here and our peers here. And um, so this isn't like something just raw that we haven't worked through things with people. And, you know, like we've worked through a lot to get to this point. And so now we're to the point where we feel like we can healthily share this with no bitterness, no, no anger. And, um, you know, all the, the negative side of things when we've gone through something tough that we have all faced and felt at different times in our life. And so we want to be as honoring as possible in sharing this, but we also want to be, we want to own what really yeah. um, happened to us and through us and, you know, the things that we've learned through it. Yeah. It's definitely been a year where we've had to definitely take a lot, at least especially for me, taking a look on the inside. And just seeing, okay, some of this stuff is great, but some of this stuff I need to address Mm -hmm. and there needs to be healing. And, uh, so this is kind of the byproduct of that healing. Yeah. So, so I would say to those who have gone through something really hard and especially if you've probably, you know, we've all been there where you feel like something's been done that was outside of what felt outside of your control or, whatever. Um, I just want you to really listen to our story and I hope it brings hope and healing to you and encouragement to you that God's not done, that he's, he's, he's interested in, in growing you and changing you in this process and for you to take ownership of what you can take ownership of. And again, kind of give a little bit of a disclaimer is that this is, this is our side of the story. This is the way that we perceive things and the way that things happen. Mm -hmm. And we know that there's a lot of people that perceive those things to be different. Yeah. And also, you know, when something happens to people and all of a sudden they have, they quit a job or um, move or whatever, and it leaves fe- people feeling what happened, or maybe they even hear one side of a story or rumors or whatever. Like we feel like we want to set the record straight for our side because most people haven't heard that. Um, you know, we only shared that with those who were closest to us and yeah. that we felt safe to, to walk through that with. And so, and if you were on the other side of this, if you were some of the people that were hurt by us or walked away going, those Richardsons are jerks, um, you know, we want to walk into this and give you the opportunity to say, hey, call us. 
we still have the same email. We still have the same phone numbers. And, you know, in some cases, we never got to have that, that part yeah, of that closure. I think it's worth saying that we did try to reach out to people um, to work through things and have those conversations. And some of those doors were just not open to do that. And listen, we respect that. Yeah. We, we never have um, tried to force our way in to get answers. Um, anyway. And I think I think both of us are in a place now where we could have those conversations yeah. too. And it wouldn't be wouldn't be an ugly thing that we would love to be able to understand what was going through other people's minds and hearts at that time mm-hmm. too. And so so just kind of a, as a refresher, we had been in Michigan for almost seven years mm-hmm. and had a great church, had great friends, it was yeah. a great community. Like we did not, because, you know, we did not escape from anything bad. Like it really was a great place. It was, but we just felt the Lord calling us back to Montana. You know, he ever, opened a door. Ever since I was a kid, you know, I've been to eight different schools before the fourth grade. So we moved around a lot. And I, like my dream was to always be back in Montana, to mm-hmm. be especially back back in Missoula. Yeah, and that's where I met you. I fell in love with the mountains. I mean, Missoula is just a beautiful community, a lot happening. And, and me, right? Of course. Yeah. Yeah, that was just just brings back those warm butterflies. I for, know. For, anyway, yes. So we really wanted to end up back there. And so uh, we had um, been, been kind of looking and doors had been closing and really got to a point where there's so many doors that closed, like we're going, okay, Lord, I, I'm not sure, like maybe we need to put this on hold. Yeah. And you know, that's kind of sometimes how God works. Sometimes when we're almost striving that yeah. it's like, okay, let's lay this down. And, and see what the Lord does. That's really what I was doing with the resume, with the interviews. Yeah. Like I was trying really hard because it, we want to fulfill that calling. For sure. I mean, it's good to do your part yeah. for sure, but there's a delicate balance where you can easily cross over into trying to strive to make something happen. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, you, we laid it down and we're like, Lord, this is in your hands. You will open the right door when yeah. the time is right. And so I had actually got to the point where I had even taken my resume. I deleted it off my computer and Lord started to give me some kind of short-term vision for the church. And I'm a type of guy, like, I really, I need that vision um, to, to be able to really feel like I'm doing stuff. And that, that's something that Lord is working out of me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're kind of moving along. And then one day I'm in my office and I'm looking through some things and this post pops up. Yeah. But yeah, so we actually responded. Yeah. And heard back <laughs> almost right away <laughs> like that night and which is not now normally way search processes go for pastoral search searches and stuff like that that it normally takes six months to a year mm-hmm. and um it was something that that really kind of surprised us and we heard back right away and we're like oh we're we're interested and we're actually meeting soon as a pulpit committee and it was a pastor that mm-hmm. had responded to me and he just just said was I've been fortunate enough in the last how many churches to have helped basically pick my replacement, and I feel the Lord on this. And this is kind of the condensed two weeks, yeah. you know, clip yep. notes version. And uh, so things took off really quickly. Mm-hmm. Now, this was the, in mid March, yeah, toward the end of March, probably by then. But and so one of the things I guess to try to kind of describe the church is that it, it, we knew that the church had some challenges. Yeah, it was a small church, probably about forty people. 
and uh, it, it was it was originally because we went to another church in town that was a that was a larger church in yes, town. That's Missoula where we got to, had two churches yeah. in this particular denomination that we were a part yeah. of. One was a bigger church, one was a smaller church, and the smaller church was a split off of the bigger church back in the '60s, I believe. Yeah, right? and it really was known for having challenges even when we were there 20 years before, and really since kind of its conception, it's mm-hmm. it's had challenges, mm-hmm. and there was always something going on. And we knew this, mm-hmm. but again, part of it was is that we we really felt called to Missoula. This was an open door, and we really felt like the Lord was was on it. We did, yeah. And so the process actually happened really quickly. Yeah, by the end of April, they were inviting us to come out to what they would call candidating is yeah. what you would call when you try out or come let them meet you. You get to speak, be a part of the service, and meet all the people and. Mm-hmm. And so they actually they actually flew out our whole family. They did, yes. Our, which, our kids got to come with too. Which was actually kind of another um, piece of the, the the puzzle where I said, Lord, if this is of you, I want them to bring. And they were a small church. And this is when we started finding out that, the, that this would be, you know, as far as resources, people, finances, all that would be definitely a challenge. For, yes, for this them. would not be us stepping up into a bigger opportunity as far as like an increase in pay, bigger salary package, things like that, that most people would look for in their next position of what they're yeah. moving on toward. Like we knew that we felt that this was God opening a door that, yes, it would require sacrifices for us, but this was the door that he had for us to move back mm-hmm. and to start ministering in this community once again. It was the perfect time for us to move. It just, a lot of things were just lining up. Yeah. Like it was being very que- very clear. It was being very clear, mm-hmm. very swift. And so, yeah. So we went, candidated, and again, we were right away, we knew that there was challenges, but again, there was so many signs pointing to that, and us thinking, look, we came from this other church back in Montana, or in Michigan, and we were able to overcome a lot of things and rebuild. Yeah, we had to address certain things in Michigan, and we felt like we had um, been equipped to the, the skills that we needed to address the things that needed to be addressed and to, to move into this this other church, and so... Yeah. And so long story short, they kind of fell in love with us and we, we said yes, they said yes. And next thing I know, like we were moving by mid June. Yeah. So like a month, yeah, we month and a few days later, we sold our house in a day almost. Yeah. And uh, everything just, it was like dominoes mm-hmm. just fell right into place. Yeah. But it was so quick. I don't think we were quite prepared for the... <laughs> transitional whiplash that we were about to encounter well and we we didn't help that because we wanted to jump in instead of taking time like if you're a pastor you're in transition or even doing a big move i would tell you take a month and work that out and just take some time to get your house unpacked to get acclimated because there's a lot of change that happens really quick yeah and that was for us. It's like we, we left a really, really amazing place and we went into a challenging place. Mm-hmm. And I think that part of that transitional challenge is that it's not just the physical things you're dealing with, but it's the emotional things. Like you're having to let go and move on to something new and there's going to be some grieving. And mm-hmm. honestly, we didn't know how to do that well. No, and on the other side of it, I don't know that the church, some of the people in the church, the leadership really even understood some of that, you know, and it was used as, like they could tell that we were 
kind of sad. Well, not sad, but it was it was a real big challenge, but especially because we were moving into a parsonage. Yeah, we had owned our own home in Michigan, and so we sold. I mean, honestly, we had a lot of privacy. It was on an acre and a quarter of land, I believe. Mm-hmm. We had wooded. Uh, it was a wooded lot, so trees all around us. I mean, and then we move into the church parsonage where there is literally, it's attached to the church and there is a door at the back of the sanctuary that you can go through to enter our home. I mean, there was a couple other entrances to the outside as well, but that's how, and so our, our the, it's like an apartment above the fellowship hall. The fellowship yeah. hall was underneath. And so our first week we are there moved in and at 7 a.m. on a Tuesday morning, we hear dishes rattling <laughs> Voices talking. Men's voices talking. And we realized, oh my gosh, the men's breakfast is happening downstairs below our bedroom. And we can hear them loud and clear. (laughs) That means they can hear everything in our house. And so it was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Privacy is gone. (laughs) Yeah. And my wife loves to garden. She loves her flowers and stuff like that. And we went from having this big, beautiful yard with amazing landscaping that she'd put together to living, literally being surrounded by blacktop. Yeah. Concrete and blacktop for sure. And on the busiest street in Missoula. So anyway, we just, listen, we we were willing to make those sacrifices, but we, and we, we felt we counted the cost, but we didn't realize what the repercussions of that really would be like the things that did need to be processed. Well, not only that is that the the church was people were coming and going. There was about 40 people in the church and there was like 60 keys. Yeah. A whole like everybody, like you came twice, you got a key. People who used to go to the church and no longer go to the church. Who knows how many people had keys. So that they felt like safety concerns for our family. There were people that would show up wanting money. Yeah, Um, Missoula has a large homeless population there. Um, and we would have people at 2 o'clock in the morning, 10 o'clock at night, 3 in the morning, I mean, all over the place. We, I would have to ask homeless people to actually leave our little backyard where they set up their tent that's saying, hey, I got kids that, that, like, my family lives here. I need you to not be there. We had our car broken into, you know, all these different things. And so it, it wasn't super safe. And to make it more, make it harder is that the church was known to get, give handouts. Like the whole congregation, people would come in. They were very generous people, but they weren't thinking safety. Yes, because people will come back if, if, if things are easy to get. And so we had to set up um, protocols right yeah. away of how do we funnel people through the right Yeah. Uh, yeah. things in order to help them the best way we can, but also keep our family safe yeah. and our yeah. And that was hard because all of a sudden people were like, oh, you don't care about the homeless. I'm like, well, like, no, no there's, there's better ways to do there's this. A be- yeah, there's a better way to do it. And so in the midst of this, there's some of the, the church, like, because we're, we're, we're struggling a little bit. And, you know, not to mention is that financially we made way, way, way less, mm-hmm. which really it put, it was hard for us um, because we didn't make a full-time salary. No, we were working basically yeah. full time, but we were not making a full time salary for sure. And so, yeah, we, again, we sold our home. We had some, we had savings. We had made money on the sale a little bit, and so we came knowing that we're willing to take this risk. We're willing to budget down, and you know, just mm-hmm. we knew how to do that. We've been out of debt. Thankfully, we got out of debt back when we lived in Tennessee, mm-hmm. and so we knew how to make sacrifices to make something work. And so that's how we walked into this situation. And yeah, just not realizing how hard that would be. Yeah. And 
it was hard because I don't even think they really understood any of that. They they kind of thought that, hey, we are a gift to you. And they were, you know, but we're, we're a gift to you. You should be really excited. And I remember I even had a couple um, leaders in the church come come and say, hey, you know, I have this word for you, and, and it's that verse out of Matthew says, anyone who puts their hand to the plow is un- and looks back is unworthy of the kingdom. And so there was this pressure, like, going, oh, you know, I'm here for you guys, and, you know, the Lord has brought me here, but my heart still misses, and some of these were our very best, even to this day, are some of our best friends back in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And so it was just really hard. Plus, we had a full staff. We had a in Michigan. In Michigan, we had I had a, a great um, admin person. I had a, a youth pastor. We had children's. We had two worship leaders, and so there was you know we had this support and help. We had a very mature, seasoned board with mm-hmm. some great leaders on it, and so it, it was. I was able to focus on the things that bring me life and bring me passion. Yeah. And then coming to this church, we were going to be starting from scratch. We didn't have a support system. I mean, we had a part-time secretary. Basically, I think it was just one day a week, though. Not even that. It was Um, like four hours a week, and she basically did the books and just, you know, didn't mesh with her at, at all, you know. And so we had some challenges there. And I remember sitting down, like one of the things, like reality kind of hit me is ours is our first Sunday. And I sat down, and it was Thursday, and I'm sitting there going, well, how come I don't have the the bulletin to look at and to go over the order of service? And then it dawned on me, oh, I haven't made that yet. <laughs> yeah, we did not have any of that in place. And so, yeah, it was like starting. I mean, you forget what all of all of the things that it takes, you know, to make all that stuff happen. And so, yeah, to small church, like in a lot of people understand this, the, the busiest pastor I think there is on the planet is a pastor of, of about 50 to 75 mm-hmm. because there's so many demands and there's not really the help to, to be able to do it. So, so all of it falls back onto the pastor and the pastor's family. For sure. And, you know, we're not discounting like pastors of any size church. There are great challenges. They all look different. And so, yeah, we're not minimizing that at all, but this was just our experience in this this church that we had to start from the ground up again. And that's what we did. We started everybody. It was all hands on deck. Yeah. And it's hard when you, you know, you go into an existing church. One of the challenges is you, you inherit everything and everyone. Um, And so, and not necessarily everyone is going to mesh and, um, work well with you, um, things like that. Listen, there, there's a reason why um, churches who, that are small have been small for 50 years. There's reasons that are there. A lot of it is relational. A lot of it is the way that they do things. And there's sometimes it's counterproductive for growth. Sometimes it is uh, a challenge is for personalities. Like there's just a, a whole host of reasons why churches kind of get stuck. And that's kind of how I would place this church is that it was stuck. Now, when we had been candidating, they were like, well, we want change. We want to grow. We know that we're not effective in our community. And that's part of the reason why we want to bring you in because we saw what you did in this other community. We want you to come here and do that. And the hard thing is, is that everybody wants things to change as long as it's not their their things. (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, we think that these guys should change, but my thing is still good. Mm-hmm. And we had to go in and almost right off the bat, um, one of the things was the way that they would give prophetic words and services mm-hmm. is like, it was just kind of kind of a free for all. It was, it wasn't even like come up front, do it, say it into a mic or anything like that, or to give it to somebody privately. Like they would stand up, stand on your chair, shout out the prophetic word and sit down and everybody's supposed to go, Ooh. And I'm not saying that it was all bad, but it was just, it was messy. There was a lot of disorder and some of it was just weird. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, we've got to start. There was cr- no judging of the, the word, you know. No, which is scriptural. Yeah. You know, and so we started to kind of say, look, okay, we're going to have to start judging some of these things. And I had to start training the elders saying, look, we need to judge this. Well, our elders were like, no, we like the way that we do things and it's okay. And we kind of already started to notice that there was kind of a, a split board. We had a couple people that, that really liked the way that things used to be. We had a couple people that really wanted new things, and we're kind of stuck in the middle. And so we had to make probably one of the most painful decisions that I've ever made as a pastor is that I actually, because of the way the prophetic was doing more harm than good, I actually had to make the decision going, look, we're going to take a break from this. And... Um, if you have a prophetic word, you need to come up and basically tell me mm-hmm. or tell one of the, our other elders, say, mm-hmm. I have a prophetic word, give a real cl- quick Cliff Notes version of it. And then we decide if you go up or you sit down. Mm-hmm. And uh, this did not go over well. Mm-hmm. And that's, we had, a, uh, all of a sudden we had some people that decided to, to leave the church and stuff like that. And so we're, we're kind of already in a little bit of conflict and we've only but been there. A few the good days. thing is that it revealed who could and couldn't submit to authority yeah. and accountability, honestly. Yeah. So it was good. It was hard, but it was also good. It was revealing because. Yeah. Yeah. And this is kind of the, the odd thing. In, and I think this there is spiritual. This is one of the spiritual things that I think this church dealt with is that there really was a spirit of offense mm-hmm. that was there, and so we did not come into even a unified church, even though it was small and they had no, unity. We inherited a lot of conflict that had been there for some time. There, there was a split. We came into a split church, but instead of somebody going somewhere, it was split down the left side and the right side. And we had kind of two different families that that were kind of the leaders of each camp, and they were both on the board, and which made everything kind of awkward and weird. And, uh, you know, we were trying to already trying to bring unity back into a place, and it was clear that at least one of the sides really wasn't looking for compromise. They weren't looking to work together. They were looking to to maintain what they had built. Mm-hmm. And so we just started to have to dismantle and start going, okay, you know, we, we got to make sure that we are a blessing to our community. Yes. One of the, in speaking of wanting to be a blessing to the community, the church had a, one of the church signs that oh. has a reader board on it, not like an electronic one, like, the, you know, the one where you put up the letters and the numbers, whatever. And so the church had a long history of using it, um, to put messages up that really were not a blessing to the community. They, they were, weaponized the gospel it with was, their sign. Yeah, it was like, you know, sometimes you've seen them shared on social media or things like that, you know, funny sayings or whatever. But there were, I mean, we found a file in the pastor's desk drawer that 
had um, hate mail. Hate mail. Well, just as an example, this is a type. It's Missoula is in in the Rocky Mountains in in the middle of forests. And forest fire season and comes and you get a lot of smoke in the valley. And one of the signs that they, they put up, no joke, I got pictures of it, says, if you think it's smoky now, wait till you get to hell. That's the type of things that they were putting yeah, that's, up. That's life-giving and encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, there was almost a sense of pride of they love to put stuff like that on the sign. And in Missoula is a very liberal community, liberal leaning community. And so you, just think of the message you're sending to your community before you can even have any relationship to influence or give hope to them is that you're automatically just, yeah. you know, and, and in there we would honestly, the other funny thing is we would get phone calls, um, and, you know, even people just seeing people in passing, they would be like, how come you don't put any of those funny sayings on the sign? And we're well, like, it's usually yeah. the pharisaical type of people that hard, I'm like. That love that kind of stuff. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's that's not our heart. So we would we would use it to just put like, you know, our Sunday service times, yeah. general information. Yeah. But we're like, that was not what we were going to do. Like, and we were there for six years and people still brought up the sign. Yes. And we had never, in the six years that we were there, never put anything negative. No. But the church, because of that reputation, with the community it was known to have this reputation even the church community mm-hmm. um, all the way across it was very hard to ever get any traction and grow yeah and so we had the split congregation we had a split board that was not unified right. and then we had a split worship team mm-hmm. and that we came into yeah. and there was some things that happened some misunderstandings of one person that thought they were going to get to be the worship leader and the other person said well if they're a worship leader then I'm leaving and so every single area we yeah, had we automatically conflict. had to start addressing and walking people through some of this stuff. And obviously, not everybody's going to be able to walk through that. I mean, people are powerful and they can make their own choices. And yeah. so some people, you know, started to choose to just leave. And so, and we understand that well, not everyone so, is going to fit with a new pastor. And as pastor, I had to actually confront one of the families mm-hmm. that every single time they would call me every single interaction, they were board members. And every time I would talk to them, they would give me a literally a laundry list of everything that I'm doing wrong and how I'm ruining their church. Yeah, that's not healthy. And so finally, just it's one, not healthy for them. And it's not no. to tolerate that like that's not that's not who they are. They've no. just gotten used to operating that way to get their way. And so yeah, we had to confront that. Like, hey, you're not happy. Finally, one day this this person calls me up and not even a hello, how you doing, anything just goes right in the laundry list and I just said, "Hey, hold on." And I said, "You know, I, I you're not happy. I'm not happy." And uh and I said this. I said, "I want to give you the freedom and the opportunity to begin to explore other church options here in Missoula. And she just keeps on going, like rattling off. I'm like, hold on, listen to me. I said, I want to give you the freedom and the opportunity. I want to bless you to begin looking at other church options here in Missoula. She goes, are you asking me to leave? And I said, yeah. I said, it's, it's, been, it's been a year. I'm not changing. I don't think you are. And I said, it would be, it'd be better for both of us. Mm-hmm. And it was hard. Yeah. But we had to start addressing things. And we knew that there was a cost to addressing these behaviors. Yeah. And like I even brought it up to the board. I said, I said, look, guys, we've got to start dealing with this. We got to start. And we had three board members that were super supportive, super wanting change. 
And uh, I said, look, I'm going to have to deal with this. And honestly, tired of dealing with the crap that and they, they were, <laughs> had they been were going done. on. Like, and why I, do we keep putting up with this? And I remember one of the board members says, you know, this has been a problem long before you got here. And we've been waiting for somebody to deal with it. And they go, we know it's going to cost us. And uh, it did. Yeah. You know? So this family did end up moving on to another church. In which they're doing and they, great. Yes. As far as I know, they're, they're yes. doing doing amazing. Yep. And so naturally, as they left, they were connected to a lot of people. And so there was a sweeping, um, not well, not sweeping, but a, a good number of people did leave and go to that same church with them. Yeah. I, I you know, even the pastor called me up one day and says, hey, thank you for helping build my church. I said, you know what? <laughs> hey. We're all in this together. So yeah. So they're still, still in the kingdom. But and, yeah, honestly, yeah. they were happy. Sometimes that's better for people though. Like, if you can't if you can't come on board with a new leader's vision and support them like you don't have to fully agree with everything but if you can't tr- it's it honestly it's a lack of trust in yeah. what the lord is doing um and so anyway it's yeah sometimes it's better for people to be put in a position where they can no longer have the control that they've had so that they can move on to somewhere else and, you know, come into a new thing. You know, but we didn't try to address it all by ourselves. No, we had the support, like you said, the majority of the board. And, and we actually brought in another pastor of mine, a friend did, of mine that yes. was really close with us. And he called, and so I've known, he was like a dad to me. Um, you know, Pastor Frank is is one of the most amazing godly men that, that I, I've ever known. And he's so gentle and so loving. I called him up and I said, will you come speak in my church? Mm-hmm. And absolutely. And I, he goes, what do you want me to speak on? I said, I don't know, pray about it. He calls me up a couple days later. He goes, I really feel like I need to preach this message on no off- the, the no offense zone. Yeah, we're and I'm like, perfect. oh, perfect. And then he Thank goes, well, you, hold Lord. on. He goes, you need to understand when I preach this, people kind of can start to get, get offended and leave. And well, I'm like, because it reveals yeah. what's going on. If there's a fence happening, yeah. And uh, he did. He came in, and the, and like there was this whole group of people that mm-hmm. were just offended that he would say that they're offended. Mm-hmm. But it really did reveal a very long-standing spiritual problem that this church struggled with, and it also continued while we were there. Kind of, kind of foreshadowing of things to the future. Like, like this was a spiritual entity. This was not a bad behavior. Exactly. We do need to say that that this was this was like it was like a territorial oh hundred spirit 100%. that had its claws in people too. Yeah. And I don't think we recognized it. Like looking back, we could say that and we could see it. But this was a spiritual thing that mm-hmm. had always, because this church had always gone, like the church, um, other than one time kind of in the, the mid 90s, the church had always been pretty small and had really struggled. And this church had had lost half its congregation. They would rebuild, lose half the congregation, rebuild. And so it definitely was a spiritual thing. So people start leaving. Yep. And uh, probably the biggest blow that we took in this season is when the worship team left. Yeah. So, like, I would say the first wave of people left in summer of 2017. And then even over the next year, um, and, and a year later, even another wave, because we had to confront um, the worship leader was still very connected with this other couple um, that had left a year earlier and it just, there was still major offenses happening and talking behind the scenes and, um, things that were just toxic for, um, them to continue to be involved in and to stay connected and supportive of, you know, what were the vision we were moving forward in. And as much as we tried to, to work with, with him and yeah, we, it came to the point where 
it just it just got to the point where you know it was obvious that his heart wasn't for us. Well, God really brought things to light to where we could really address it and and call it out. And, and there there was a big blow up. It. And you know, come to find out, the reason why he had actually was staying was because he felt like it was his prophetic responsibility to stay there to try to pray against some of the things that we were doing and stuff like that. And God brought all of this out. It's not like we had yeah. to go dig. And just so everyone knows, if you ever feel like or know someone, hear someone say that, oh, I feel like God wants me to pray against, my position is to pray against this and these leaders and whatever, like, do you really think that's going to go well for you? No, like that is not God's heart. He's not going to have you pray against no. people. No, especially your leaders and really that. But, but the, anyone, yeah. that is not God's heart. No. God wants you to see them as they are after the spirit, yeah. how he created them in his image, the destiny over their life that yes, you, you should have a heart of redemption for all people. Yeah. And again, this is, this was, but I think this was a byproduct of what the, what was happening spiritually in the background. Yeah. Because this is something that had happened over and over again. Worship teams had, had, had split, had fallen apart. And this wasn't the first time. And I remember this person actually had asked for a, a meeting with the board and brought in this, this whole thing of accusations and the board granted it, but they came in and before he could even say anything, he goes, you know what? We are done with this divisiveness. We're done with this. We reject this. The this, board. Yeah. This, we reject this prophetic word because he brought in this prophetic document. And they said, we reject that and we reject. Yeah. And make sure if you ever have a written pukey letter to pastors or whoever, yeah. shred that. Like, that's disgusting. And the board did that. They actually yeah. took that letter from me. Like, Pastor, you're not going to hold on to this. And these guys really surrounded me. And they took that letter and they, they like, like almost like this this sign, prophetic declaration. Like, all of us took the letters that he left, walk up to the shredder, and we shred it. And yeah, they prayed over that's me. That's not the Lord's heart. Yeah. You need to protect your heart. And yeah. So, we were without a worship team. We were. This was in... 2018 yeah. i think like the end of april and so yeah all of a sudden we have no worship team because part of his, this guy's family was on the worship team a lot of the people he was in relationship were on the worship team and so it left like i, I had been singing background vocals and so we're like okay what are we gonna do it and left us with one brand new guitar player that yep, was just coming back and then true. we had a bass so we basically we had a bass player in jamie and a very new guitar player uh-huh and um well new to the team he had played team. guitar before but yeah. anyway yeah so we we're like okay, and i was willing i was like you know what i will step up i can sing but you know we will make the best of it we didn't know what this was going to look like but what other option did we have we had no other option and so um, actually, what we ended up doing is subscribing to multi-tracks, which uh, if you're a part of worship teams, you know what that is. But if you don't, it's basically the music tracks um, in the background. The backing tracks, yeah. Yeah, and so you play those and you can sing along with them. You can turn instruments up or down, you know, whatever you want to use. Usually bigger bands use them, you know, because it's got a click track in the background. Um, but you usually, you know, can turn up the, you know, add or take away what you don't want you yeah. know but we had to you know obviously we <laughs> simplified it down didn't use the whole thing but anyway it was mainly the whole but thing. it was that was a humbling season for sure and that was that was over a year that i led worship every single sunday and um, without a break without a break and so um and part of that was so, reason why it was so humbling is because it was like you know, there would be comments made of, I think somebody's kid once said, oh, it's like karaoke worship. And it's like, oh, if you know, if the kid's saying that, the parent must have 
Yeah. That's something. And it's like, yeah, thanks. I'm but, doing this for the Lord and for this church and making. You know, but compared to what we had before, there really was a sweet presence. Like you really were Honestly, anointed to do that. There for that was season. absolutely a shift as hard as it was for me to do that for a season and as uncomfortable outside of my comfort zone that it was that honestly I grew so much during that season Mm -hmm. in closeness with God in my devotional time. And I really took it seriously. Like I subscribed to a worship training online program and, you know, to learn the heart of worship and all the details of what that takes. I I reached out to friends that led, led, led worship in our community and they were, you know, people, as many people that could help me, helped me. And we were so grateful for their wisdom and guidance, you know, to just to do as best we could. Now, if I were to do it all over again, I probably (laughs) would have done it differently. Um, I don't know. But God did bless this season. He did. And honestly, now we know God wastes nothing. He absolutely used that as part of my preparation journey for what he had and for our church. Like, you know, and that's the reality is, you know, it's, and you know, what I love about small churches is that now looking back, like, I, I love seeing the messy things that aren't perp- perfectly polished. I love to just see look for the heart behind what's yeah. going on and how people are serving to the best of their abilities, um, you know, and doing things with excellence to the best they can. And you know, so, but you drew closer to the Lord in that season. Like, I think that's, I mean, just obvious growth that was happening in you. For sure. And that's why, yeah, I say, you know. God wastes nothing. He he gets you ready. That's a message by Paul Manwaring that we learned this oh, so year in good. school. I, I just love that. And it's so true. So if you're in a season where yeah. you feel like you're serving in an area that doesn't matter, like this is not what I'm called to do. Like, I just want to encourage you to trust the Lord, lean into God and ask him, Lord, what can I do in this season? How can I do what you've placed right in front of me? How can I steward this well? Because I know it's part of the process of what you uh, um, are doing inside of me and for the community that I serve in and for what you have yeah. for me in the future. So, so we're, we're in this season where we're, we're trying to rebuild. Now yep. we had lost two board members because they just couldn't get on board. And so they had, they had willingly resigned, mm-hmm. which left us with three other guys. And then we have one of them, um, about the same time they end up, uh, he retires and they end up moving away. Mm-hmm. Well, you had brought on another, we had brought on one other board member. Yeah. So um, you always had four. Yeah. We still had a four, and but, then four but, and then you, but he was a brand new board member and actually became really close to us friends. Mm-hmm. And then, so we had, um, one board member move. Then we had another board member die. Yeah, um, that was really hard. And this, and this was, he was like the patriarch of the church. Mm-hmm. Like I had known this guy. Um, I'd known Ed for 25 years. Like when I was a youth, I had met him and I knew his daughter and his wife and his, like we were great friends with their family and had a lot to do us coming there. And so, you know, he passes away. We lose one, mm-hmm. we, which in a year's time, we lose all but one board member. And one original one original board say. member yeah. yeah one original board member 
And uh, so we're having to put new people on. Some didn't necessarily have experience. And so we're trying to train them as we're going. Mm -hmm. We have new people because we've had people leave. We're having to try to to find people to cover places. But we're not just throwing just anybody into ministry. We're trying to find people that have some experience and at least morally, characterly, relationship with God, all of those things. But they left a lot of holes. Mm -hmm. And guess who fills all the holes. Yeah, the Richardsons, it was a continual shift to, hey, where's the need now? Where's the need now? No. Like, it's just, you know, which, I mean, I understand that's part of ministry. You have to have a heart that is willing to serve where the need is. But it was to such an extreme level that it was like we were, we found ourselves in a position that we weren't, we weren't resting. We were just, no. we were just fixing all the time. Extra effort and pushing through is is a normal part of life, and there's yeah. seasons of that. But when the but season becomes a lifestyle, you are going to burn yourself out, and you're going to burn your team out for sure. And it, we were, yeah, we weren't the only people doing that. Like no. our key leaders that were, there were, you know, there's. Oh, it seems to be that way in church life that that a small percentage are doing a lot of the work. And our whole entire life was consumed. Mm -hmm. Like there was no out. Like we lived at the church. We worked at the church as a. We did family church yes, together. Yes, that was taking its toll, especially living at the church. I mean, yeah. we um, by this time we were what on year three. Yeah. Um, and we and thought we'd we be thought in the it, yeah, it would be like be six year, months. Yeah. yeah. And so this is lingering on longer. Now we were, um, we had been getting incremental raises. So, you know, things, things were slowly turning and we were, you know, we, we were doing our best. Like we weren't taking big vacations or anything. We were, we were stashing money into savings anytime we got extra money for things and you know we were doing our part to be diligent and sacrifice and you know but again it's just so much like we put out for so much for so long yeah i mean jamie did the secretary work she did the admin yeah, I was work. doing a lot of the admin i was doing a lot of the scheduling my daughters are cleaning the church That's i'm true. doing all the maintenance i got a mo like our saturdays was me mowing the lawn and blowing the parking lot and setting up chairs yeah and you know it's it's it was just all-encompassing mm -hmm. and that's not healthy for anybody no and uh and some and i will some of it is that we should have just let some things go we, we should have absolutely we should like we kept on trying to do too much yep. for too long like if there's not a grace to do it exactly. then don't do it yeah but again i am very driven vision like i had this vision from the lord and we some of it was is that you know we wanted to grow the church we wanted to be effective in our community mm -hmm. and you know well, and we truly were growing. Like we were getting new families mm -hmm. were coming and, and excited and plugged in. But and we were growing not with Christians. Like we were growing with... With unchurched and dechurched people. Yeah. For and sure. So it was people that were just coming out. Like they had lifestyle issues they had to work out. You know, when we say dechurched, we're, we're talking about people who used to go to church mm -hmm. in the past that have a church history, that have a history with God, but they've stepped away. Yep. And then new, new salvations. Yeah. So yeah, there was a lot of good stuff stuff happening as well but it's like but yeah it kept that oh we got to keep this going we yeah. gotta like you know the pressure just started rising like hey we, we're growing we've got to keep up and yeah <laughs> and so finally after us pushing we we end up having a friend of mine that came in and he began to help with worship a little bit um, yes i finally this is horrible to say <laughs> i finally i got sick one Sunday yeah. and lost my voice and so it was like you know after leading worship every single weekend it was like then i got sick and i literally could not sing because I had no voice and we called um, or I think we let our leadership know and one of them said hey I know of yeah, a friend this friend that 
is has led worship lots of times in other churches. What should I call her and see if she can come and help? And she could. And we said, yes, please. And, um, and so, so we had her come in once a month. Yeah. To be able after to help. that, she was willing to come in once a month, at least to give me a, a week off. And so that actually developed into, um, you had another friend yep. that was able to help for a season to lead another week. And so we had her and him and, did we have, I think we had one more. Yeah. Another one of your friends helped. Yep. And so we had, I only, and then I only had to lead worship one Sunday a month and then each other person took a Sunday. And so that, and then we started growing musicians. We had a couple we come did. in. We, we started had, attracting know. new musicians were coming to the church or discovering that other people were musicians. And so getting different people plugged in. So then that started kind of a, I would say probably a three to six month transition. I can't remember exactly, no. but to where I was able to finally step out of that. Cause I, I definitely felt it was just for a season. It yeah. wasn't a life calling for me to be yeah. a worship leader. And so, yeah, I think by the, you know, summer of 2018, uh, sorry, 2019, I was finally able to let that go and to move. Um, but it, it it was it was hard because it was one it of those things hard. where we just got to the point like even you got to the point where like I can't keep doing this. Right. You need to find somebody else. Yep. And like I had already had so much on my plate, but again, I wanted to protect my wife and not knowing how to do that well. And it, it was a hard transition, but the Lord mm-hmm. did provide. Even once you step down, like sure. sometimes we think, oh, if I step down, nobody will do it. Yeah, it's hard. The letting go is really hard. Yeah. Like that's a real struggle for anyone. Like. It, when you've done something for so long or it's been, you know, but I think it was you letting go that, that made space for us. Like we figured it out. Like the Lord brought in those things. Yep. And so we're at a place where we're still trying to figure it out. We're still super busy Mm -hmm. and we kind of hit a wall. Um, we're, we, at this point we just realized like, okay, living in the parsonage is just not a healthy thing for us. Yeah. And so we had been talking about me going back to work outside of the church so that we could save up uh, more money to gain more traction, to be able to get out of the parsonage. Mm -hmm. So yeah, at the same time we had to address some issues with the building. This was going on at the same time and we didn't have the funds to address them. No, no, we, we ended up having things, you know, the air conditioning, we had some, I think issues with the roof and then the parking lot. I mean, but it was not small things like we could just general fund it out. And so we had to make the decision as a board to take out a loan. Yeah. And we had to bring it before the church. They had to vote on it, but they supported it. And so we, because of the building, it was just cosmetically, it looked like we had popcorn ceiling, the sanctuary. When we first got there, the sanctuary was actually painted purple. It had like this maroon carpet. It, it was, it just looked like the nineties. And, uh, we, we, we decided that we would address some of the other issues and upgrade the sound, the video, because that's kind of where everything was headed. Yeah. And, uh, we kind of, uh, we, in order to be able to do everything that we wanted to do, we we're going to have to utilize volunteer labor mm-hmm. to be able to do it. And we had people that were willing to do it and even take vacation time to do it. Yeah. So the plan was to actually do it over two weeks and to cancel our Sunday service over Labor Day weekend. That yep. way we had the week before and the week after to do all these yeah. projects and then open the doors again um, the week after Labor Day. And some projects got a little bit bigger. Some people volunteered, mm-hmm. said that they would commit to doing things and then just dropped them. Yeah. And so it left us scrambling and guess who picks up 
this the the slack again mm-hmm. a small number of people and not to to make things any easier jamie's gone back to work at this time and so things are shifting already we're trying yeah. to find new help to replace you so it wasn't and, the most it, it was kind of a lot of stress at yeah. once you know and now here you know yeah that was hard and so i would say with the remodel really what it did is it put a lot of re, like a lot of relationships in a team that was already at the brink yeah it put a lot of strain it, it, and it did to the point where that's where several relationships were fractured. Yeah, started to break down. And some of our closest friends. Mm-hmm. And, and you know when I when I you know these people that we served with when I say that they're friends they weren't just like these are people that we did life with. Mm-hmm. We went on vacations with. We 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 hung out together. We did barbecues. We went to their you know they went to their kids' soccer uh, sports stuff. They went to our girls' stuff. Yeah. Birthdays. I mean these guys were yeah, we as were really close, close as family. Yeah. And we start having these breakdowns in relationship Mm -hmm. and it really put a lot of stress. Um, And then we start in the early 2020 with COVID. So I went back to work in September of 2019. And so, um, so yeah, I'm having to learn a whole new position and, but the, the, the real challenge was that I would, you know, work full time during the week, Monday through Friday, I'd come home and still have things that I, was helping with and so it was like <laughs> i wasn't resting <laughs> well and we just and, could not and find we, help yeah we, second, we did like have we tried, someone yeah. that filled in temporarily but she was only going to be able to help through the end of the year and so we had also been in the process of trying to find somebody else permanent that could work the hours yes. that we needed you know and we were having a hard time finding that and so um it, i think it came to it was probably january of 2020 and we had narrowed it down to a few candidates and as we're interviewing them and i sat in on the interviews as well and you know a couple of our board members and um well one thing as a pastor that i always did it was just you know i love my wife i love her the input that she brings and the discernment that she brings and so she's always been a part of yeah this person was going to be working close with chris and so yeah yeah. anyway but as we sat in there was nothing against anyone that we interviewed um it was just that it became clear that, you know, it was stressful for me working outside as well. Like my heart was to work alongside well, you're on 10 hours of plus you. a day. Yeah. And so my heart was to be back um, doing it. it. The issue was always that, you know, the church couldn't pay me, you know, before to for us to be able to do what we needed to do as a family. Because we were to still struggling out. financially. Yeah. Yeah. So in order for us to our plan to move out and to buy a home of our own. That was the whole reason for me going back to work. I didn't feel like it was a calling and all that stuff. You know, our hearts were still to work together. So anyway, it just became clear, like the church had grown and there was momentum there and the church, the, the board actually was willing to, um, to obviously pay this position. So I was willing to come back and we were able to meet with the board and discuss that. And I was going to just part time, but for a fair salary that was competitive for what I was working out in the marketplace. And so, yeah, so that's what we decided to do. I was going to come back to work, um, basically like an administrative pastor alongside of Chris, we were co-pastoring, but that was kind of going to be more my role is mm-hmm. the more administrative side of things, obviously still. So, and some of the challenges one is that we, we begin to have these relational breakdowns with people that were on a leadership team and people that are very close to us. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard when you've committed to do things or you are in charge of this and there's relational tension and you kind of start to, um, 
separate that way and we could feel that. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of left Jamie in this position where people were, you know, she needed them to, to kind of get, Hey, what's going on with this ministry or have you done this? Just communication. Just like communication. that's a core value. That's really important to me is that I would always give people plenty of time when I would need things to mm-hmm. say, Hey, could you respond with this information by this date? Like I always, I felt like I put it forth to be honoring, to respect their time and everything. And so there would be all of a sudden there was a breakdown of people not responding or responding not directly to me going to Chris. Mm -hmm. And it was just, yeah. But, you know, I made mistakes in that as well. I did not confront things and go directly to people. Um, I should have addressed that. Um, and that, that was part on to me is that like these people are like family mm -hmm. and I don't deal with like, I, like, I don't deal with rejection or people leaving. I like, I really struggle with that. And especially at that time, I'm always afraid that somebody's going to leave. Yes. So this, yes, this was what was hard that we were addressing at that time is almost that fear of man, the fear of people leaving if we have to confront and address these things. Um, and so I didn't feel free to be able to address those things with people because I did not want to rock the boat and cause like people to get upset and want to leave things like that. And but so I, I I even told you on a couple different times, it's like, hey, don't, I will take care of this. Sure. And, but I never really yeah. did. I, I would just kind of do just enough to try to pacify it instead mm-hmm. of just saying, or even asking people like, tell me what's really going on and tell me what's going on with your heart. Cause I would always come back in and like, well, we need something like to deal with. We can't go off of feelings. Mm. Yeah. And so, yeah, so me and you are even having, you mm-hmm. know, some breakdown of how do we work together? How do I get to do what I'm called to do? Uh, you know, how, how am I able to address and keep people accountable? And so, yeah, and we'd never done this co-pastoring thing before either. And so, yeah, it was messy. Um, for sure, we didn't have a model to follow or another, you know, we didn't know of anybody who was doing this. And so, so there was a lot of room for us to grow as well in that, like... And then on top of that, to add in the burnout that we were experiencing from doing so much for so long. So we get into, you know, mid 2020 where the pandemic is, is, is it's a real thing and we're starting to experience the lockdowns. We're starting to, to have to figure out how to do church differently. Mm -hmm. We can't do it in person for a short time. No. And we were in Montana. Yeah. You know, we, we didn't, we didn't have the, it was a short season for us for sure. It it was, and there was a lot of leeway Mm -hmm. for what we did. And so, you know, I don't want to pretend like we had this horror, but you know, there was all these stresses. But yeah, there were a lot of people that couldn't come back, obviously, yeah. people that were immune compromised mm-hmm. or, you know, had different situations and circumstances. So yeah. yeah, not everybody was back in person, even though we could meet in person. So we had to figure out how do we get online and how do we have all these things, you know, how do we stay connected for those who can't be here in person and all that stuff? It was pretty stressful. You know, and then you have on top of that, even you have the two different camps of, you know, you're not doing enough, you're not protecting people enough, and we won't be back mm-hmm. Because it's too dangerous. Then you have, and this is, you know, Montanans don't like it when the government comes in. Even if it's the right thing, they don't like being told what to do. Mm-hmm. So we had people leave the church because we followed too many of the rules. I mean, it was kind yeah, it was of a hard things. time to be a pastor for sure because no matter what you did or didn't do, it wasn't, darned if it you wasn't do and darned right if you in someone's eyes. So yeah, and so we're we're dealing with that, having trying to figure out how to go online, mm-hmm. and I think and our people helping do all this stuff. A lot of them had stressful jobs as well, and yeah. so it's like you know. It, it's stressful for everyone all around. There's, yeah. There wasn't this boredom of, hey, I got to find a new 
yeah. hobby for us. Yeah, I, you know, I'm jealous of the people who got to <laughs> be in lockdown. I'm glad people got to experience that, but it wasn't our experience. Actually, one of my favorite times is the first time that we went into lockdown because all of a sudden I know I, we're I like, ooh, we get a two week break <laughs> to sit at home. This is the life. Like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and other people were going crazy, and we're like, oh, this is great. And we had a brand new home to be in lockdown, and it was we nice. did. Yeah. That was even better. It wasn't locked in the parsonage. Yeah, and so um, at that time, the church, you know, God was faithful in in this season for us because it does he did allow us to be able to purchase a new yes, home. Yes, we, we kind of skipped that part, but yes, yeah. we were that midsummer the church had been doing well and so we were able to finally um, get our own home and we bought it just the right time, honestly. Like yeah. interest rates were at the lowest of the low and everything and so yeah, it was definitely a gift from the Lord. It was way more house than we ever thought we'd be able to afford and all that stuff. Like yeah. His favor was definitely on us mm-hmm. for that season. So, and really, you kind of got you kind of got your dream home. I your, did your farmhouse kind of thing. It was it was it was everything we wanted. Um, and uh, so, with the opening up of the parsonage, you know, it, it allowed us to be able to bring them in, and we had this agreement mm-hmm. that um, you know you could live here. And as part of your, instead of paying rent, you, you you could help us out with with doing ministry, and we'll work around. You'll have to get a regular job, but we'll work around that. But there there'll be some some requirements as far as you you helping out, mm-hmm. and they totally agreed to that. Yeah, they were excited to come, and we were excited to have them. And yeah. especially at first, is like we got to reconnect with this couple and their family that you know we loved and mm-hmm. still do, mm-hmm. really do. And um, so they they started off and um, just right off the bat, we just started to, to see some areas that they'd never really worked in a leadership role in a church mm-hmm. and they weren't quite ready for some of that, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of, the, you're not, you're not ready to see how the soup is made. And so we, we started to have some things right away. Yeah. And, especially some of the not fun things mm-hmm. about being in le- church leadership. Yeah. Like there's things behind the scenes people don't know about that. Yeah. That are not the most fun things that we get the responsibility of carrying. But you know, and, and even looking back, you know, they, they had a lot of change all at once. Yeah, for sure. They moved from a different part of the country that is very different than Montana. Mm-hmm. That they left their family support system that they had, uh, you know, you you come into an environment where everything is just very new, mm-hmm. and he took a job working outside the the. The, the church and so he had this whole new career that he had to learn and so they have this new ministry position they have this this change of culture they have this new job and all the things and, and trying to come into all these new relationships and it was a lot yeah and they weren't quite ready for some of those things yeah and uh, so it, it was challenging and it put more pressure on us because we're trying to walk them through it did it was putting a lot of pressure on us to make that happened that tra- helped yeah we were taking on over responsibility for them is what it ended up turning into yeah which is not fun for us it's not fun for them um and so yeah it, it started to put a strain on our relationship even there yeah and we we had to have a couple kind of come to jesus moments where we just said said look this is going on we need to to address this and it, it, it was it was again it was just hard mm-hmm. and then Kind of like the, the the next thing that happened is that that um, we we got through kind of the pandemic. We had a couple more lockdowns and stuff, but we were still kind of heading in, into a good direction. Mm-hmm. And then um, in early or yeah, in twenty twenty one, my dad came back into my life. Mm-hmm. 
I did not have a relationship with my dad growing up. And there was a lot to there. And that, that'll be probably a whole separate podcast someday. Yeah. But just to have somebody who hasn't been there for 45 years, or for, at the time, 43 years, come back into your life, it, it's a lot to process and a lot to go through. Yeah. So we're on ministry burnout. We're, we're dealing with relational burnout. Yes, we had gotten through COVID. Yes, we're starting to realize that, hey, things are not... We're not doing things very healthy. This is mm-hmm. not sustainable. Like, if anything, yeah, we need like an emergency. Well, we decided at that time, like, okay, we need some help. We need some counseling. Yeah, so we actually reached out and got some counseling from a Christian counselor in our community, and um, started to walk through that process. And he was very helpful. Like, and and we had been in talks with our um, our board and our leadership and yeah. our denomination and other pastors that we were close to, and you know, we really did seek out. Um, for counsel from other people of how, what should we do? And a, a lot of the suggestions were you guys probably need to take a sabbatical, which is a challenge because normally for a sabbatical, that should be something that's planned out well in a advance and pre- prepared for. And so, but that is what we ended up bringing forth to the board. Actually, it was the board's idea. And we thought, oh, we'll just take a month off. And so I, I had actually approached one of my board members and I said, hey, I'd like to take the, I'd like to take the month of July off and just spend some time with my family, you know, finish setting up the house, doing all these other things. And he kind of looked at me and goes, yeah, I don't think so. I'm like, what? And he goes, I think you probably need to take three, maybe four months off. Yeah. And so we didn't really want to. um, Yeah, that was going to be really hard to take that long of a break. But that ultimately, that's that's what we came to the realization is, yeah, we we need to take at least three months off, maybe four. So that's kind of what we decided on is that we'll we'll play it by ear and we'll just, you know, for sure take three months off July, August and September. um, And then we'll reevaluate as we get closer to see if we need that extra month. Um, And so... And I think their hearts were in the right place. And I think, yeah. because they, they, honestly, they're at, at a point because I was actually, you know, in that time, I was struggling with a lot of anxiety. I was struggling with depression. Well, you had so much that mm-hmm. was stirred up just by your dad coming back into your life. Yeah. Like, so that with the burnout, physically, emotionally, spiritually, all this stuff happening, like, it's no wonder, like, hey, we, we've got to address things. And so... So yeah, by the end, we actually brought in another close pastor um, mentor of us mm-hmm. agreed to come and in that in in that mm-hmm. sabbatical, he was going to come and preach each each Sunday and um, was more than willing to be a part of the process with the leadership team. Yeah. So we spent a good six weeks like really working hard to make sure we set up people to make sure the most important things were covered. We put different people in charge of different things. And, and, and there's some things we just decided like, look, in this season, we're going to make it through yeah, the summer without we're, this. Yeah, we're, yeah, but the most crucial things, we did have people appointed and made sure we walked through things of, hey, mm-hmm. this is what we need to do train people on what needs to be trained on and th- things like that. So we did the, everything to the best of our ability. Yeah. It's obviously not the, it, it wasn't ideal. No. Like, cause in a way I can understand how that, that is not how you normally want to go about preparing for a sabbatical. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. 
But it's 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 what we had, and I think there yes. was this thought and this fear that if we don't send Chris and Jamie on a sabbatical, they're probably going to quit. Yeah. In all honesty, we were probably getting close to that at that point. Sure. Like we were just that tired. Not that we wanted to, but we, there just wasn't anything left. Yeah. And so we went into sabbatical, and I remember sitting down with my with the counselor, and he goes, "Okay, you're taking sabbatical." He goes, "What are you going to do? Like, what's your plan?" I'm like, "I am going to take a nap." He's like. <laughs> That's what he goes. I'm just tired. And he looks at me. He goes, he goes, I'm not saying this is you, but it might be. He goes, most guys that go into sabbatical without a plan and a purpose quit within six months. And I'm like, oh, that's not me. And I was just so tired and wore out that I couldn't even think about dreaming about anything. Yeah, about well, and really anything. you didn't have enough time to plan all, no, all that. No. But anyway, it but was... You, I mean, you, you... I was excited yeah. because I was like, I get to dream again. I get to have mental capacity to dream and and actually have some hobbies because for so long I had been just go 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 work 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 do yeah. do do that for everybody and everything else that I was not doing life-giving things for me and so I was looking forward to gardening and whatever else I felt like doing and yeah. you know not being in charge of people for a season yeah and you know and I got to I think I went on four backpacking trips and got to go fishing and mm-hmm. so it was like I didn't do anything but again it was trying to figure out okay Lord who are you because spiritually I was pretty dry like uh, my devotional life my prayer life was because my life revolved around do 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 I would pray about the next thing I pray about the next message but I'd lost some but of the it was relational always what, what are we what what God what do you want us to do yes not who are we and yeah yeah <laughs> yes. and, I, and I struggled with that part part of it and um, and we knew because our kids were involved. So our daughter at this time, she's the worship leader. She's mm-hmm. co-leading with somebody else. And our daughters are like, well, we don't want to take us a bad uncle. We love these people. These are our friends. Yeah, and, and we let them decide. Them. Like we didn't say, hey, you have to take us a bad uncle because we are. So they decided to stay plugged in and connected yeah. and doing what they're doing. But we had to have boundaries of, mm. hey, we, you can't come home and tell us all about what's going on or whatever. You know, we had to, you know, obviously we're their parents. But, but that made it hard because it things started to kind of unravel mm-hmm. after we had left. We started having some problems. Well, we had an issue that we had to take care of even right before we left the where we had issue, to hold yeah. someone accountable for a mistake they made that involved other staff and yeah, leadership. Yeah, it, it was a pretty big deal like to the point where like, hey, if this happens again, we're going to have to let you go. So um, it wasn't the first time this no. this type of thing was had happened. And we're like, if this if this happens again, type anyway, so we, we walk in to sabbatical that way knowing that there's a problem and we start just picking it like our kids would come home from the church and you could one of my daughters is exactly like me in this respect is like i don't have to ask how she's feeling yeah you can read it on her, her face. face tells you <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> and that's that's how i am too and so her and i like we get each other and she would come home and i'm like and we wouldn't ask him how it was going, but I could just tell. And so we know that things are, are a challenge. We'd hear things in the community like, yeah, the parking lot's not as full and different things like that. So we know. Yeah, that we would are- hear little comments. And, you know, as best as we're to our ability, we're just trying to focus on health for us and reestablishing good habits and how you know yeah. and when we come back what what is going to change and stuff like that so on one of these backpacking trips i had this encounter with the lord and in this encounter i felt like the lord really gave me some great vision and direction about where to take the church and how to do this 
And it was kind of overwhelming to the point of like, I don't know what to do. And um, after talking with Jamie and talking with some other pastors and friends and kind of laying it out, they're like, you know, we feel like this is from the Lord too. And so I'm like, okay, we need help. And so we reached out to somebody that is a, a counselor. They're part of a ministry that we highly, highly respect and kind of explained to them and kind of part of the plan. And that's when the first parts of the plan of, of the new direction for new life started coming out. But we knew that we needed to work on ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we reached out to do coaching actually with yeah. someone on loving on purposes team. And so we started that, um, I think two months before our sabbatical yeah. was to end. And to so, end. And so at this time I put, so the kind of the, I'll give you the cliff notes version of the, of the plan. And this is where it kind of got a little bit radical is that we understood and knew that one, the building and the property and the church that had been built was not something that to go with that model was not something that was going to get us into the future because of a lot of the problems, a lot of the baggage that the community perception, um, some of the bad habits that had been started, things like that. And we knew that the property that we had, one, practically, it was just way too big. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were spending thousands and thousands of dollars just to have this giant facility mm-hmm. and money that could have been put into into our community, into outreach and things like that, but we're doing it to keep this monument of a building going. Mm-hmm. And we were just tired of it. We didn't, there wasn't enough of us, even with all the staff and everything else, there just wasn't enough of us to make this, you know, work for what God had laid on our heart. And so we came back and said, let's, let's do a complete reset. Yeah, we wanted to start over fresh. You know, and it's not just a name tame, not just a, a a coat of paint. We're gonna. This is gonna revolve around uh, focusing on relationships, on small groups, on even doing things in homes and house groups. With you know, instead of the focus being on a Sunday gathering, we're gonna focus on community and outreach. Mm-hmm. And we put this whole thing together, and basically, we're gonna become a church plant. We are gonna sell the building, use the proceeds to relaunch into this new vision, this new ministry. Uh, we're going to bring on some of our leadership as even as paid staff. And we're, we're going to be able to take this um, into the community and present church in a whole different way. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a radical plan for a lot of, a lot of our people. And we decided that we were going to kind of roll this out slowly and begin to cast a vision to our church. Yes. So the last month that we were on sabbatical, this is when we started meeting with all of our leadership couples. Um, We wanted to meet with each one on our leadership over that month to make sure that they were still on board with us. They still wanted to move forward to see if they agreed with that vision and Honestly, everyone that we met with, except for a couple of them, were very excited. They were very on board, Mm -hmm. showed great support, and were excited for us to come back. But there were a couple that 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 were not quite there, yeah. and so and which was fine. Like we were, you know, obviously we just were coming back. Like we're gonna walk through this and see how what this comes about. So, so in the process of this first month, we accidentally figure out that the church is broke. 
Yes, how we accidentally found out is I had gotten, um, we had church debit cards. We didn't have credit cards. We, um, and so I had one, Chris had one. Of course, key people on our leadership team had one. But anyway, mine got mailed to me because my other card was going to be expiring. So I just took it to the bank to go and activate it. You had to activate it at the ATM, basically. And so I just went to one of the branches and activated it. It, of course, gives you, you have to like do a balance inquiry in order to activate it at the ATM. So I get the receipt. I don't don't think anything of it. I just take it home. I think I probably set it on the counter when I got home. And I didn't even look at it. But Chris looked at it. And, and he noticed that the balance was down to less than $2,000. And when we had left, it was significantly more higher than that. 10, 10 times higher at least. It was a bunch more. And uh, I'm like, what is this? And um, I realized what it is. And I'm like, oh boy. And so I call one of the elders and said, hey, I just saw the bank balance. Is this accurate? Did money not get transferred? What's going on? And that's when he kind of sheepishly said, yeah, we were hoping we, we could tell you when you came back, but we were broke. Yeah. And the network didn't know anything about it. Our friend who was associate pastor didn't know about it. The board decided to not tell anybody and kind of pray their way through it. And they were just hoping that something would change. And so we come back that first week finding out the church is is can't even pay us at this point. Yeah. And so we come in and we decide, okay, well, we're going to, we'll make this work. We have some savings. This is a new plan. People are on board with this plan. So once again, the Richardsons go into sacrifice mode though. Yeah. We go into sacrifice mode and we'll be like, okay, we're willing to take, I won't, like we said, I will not take a salary. We, we, we lost two thirds of our income. You would cut, we would cut your salary in half. Yeah. Um, and so we were willing to do that. And not only that, I think our cleaning person ended up stepping aside. And yep. so I was willing to clean the church. <laughs> so it was like we came back to this whole different dynamic again and in order find to make out it work. That there's there's less than or there's about twenty people that are even coming to church on Sundays. Yeah. And so we have this this and like it was kinda like if if it can't get any worse and then my first official day back, I actually had to dismiss yes. one of our staff members. Another situation happened. That and week. And it was like strike three, same thing, person not cleaning up their mess. Same yeah, thing and not happening. even taking responsibility yes, for the mess. did not take responsibility for what happened, just tried to blame you for mm-hmm. the reasons why. And the, it, it wasn't me that decided to do that. The board you know, saw what was going on, and there was enough other things that had happened um, that they said, yeah, it's unfortunately. And we actually Well, and this was him. also one of the people that was not sure that they were on board yeah. with, with moving forward with this. So all that coupled together was like, yeah, this is not going to work. And there was somebody that was like family to us, mm-hmm. and so this was kind of like the first blow and this this really hurt it really affected me to like i said i i I especially then really struggled with rejection people leaving and i i would even say i didn't even necessarily handle the situation as well as i could um but it it was hard Mm -hmm. and yeah because we, we poured a lot into this 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 family yeah, and, and and they just cut all communication off, and and yeah. you know, and that even even this day, I wish we could have had a had a conversation and one or twenty thousand conversations, but it didn't happen. Yeah, and so we come back into this place again. We're still 
kind of like like sabbatical wasn't really this restful rejuvenation thing um because of you know multiple reasons in a way it was but it wasn't all that we needed (laughs) no yes no um and so yeah so we come back but most people are on board but we that but certainly that was a hit like mm-hmm. that was not a fun thing to come back and have to take care of right yeah. off the bat and then here we are now we start meeting with the families in the church that are still and connected. i think over over a three-month period either jamie and i or i personally we met mm-hmm. with every single i know we met with every single member yeah and every single person that was outside and so we we did nothing but meet with people casting and, vision yeah. and and we even took our plan to the network. We took it to our denomination. Now, our yeah. denomination really likes buildings and really puts a high value on, on you know, protecting that. And, and, and that's, and I, I get it. I, I understand that. And so, but I felt like the Lord had told me to take this to them. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have to. We had the votes. We were autonomous. We could do what we want with their property. But I want to honor them. Mm-hmm. And I came to the presbytery and I just said, hey, this is a vision. We're going to sell this. We're going to, you know, use this money. We're going to relaunch, replant, spend a couple of years without a building, and then go yeah, back. Yeah, obviously and, the extra money would go into the bank and there would be a budget oh, to almost, follow. Yeah, you know, everything. Like, obviously everything would be. Uh, other than a couple salaries, like like 90% of the money was going to be retained. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so they actually gave us their blessing, which really surprised me yeah um and they said you know what we we know that this has been a church with challenges and we think you're right and you know what more churches we probably need to look at this model for other churches in our network and so super super um supportive yeah so yeah we had been going to other people to again seek counsel we're not just deciding to do something and doing it all on our own like we had the support of our board support of our church behind us and so, yeah, we're putting all this together and then we're bringing it to the point where we're going to do a church. We had to vote again. You yeah, know? we took it to the church and <clears throat> we and we had done our job that it was a sh- one of the shortest business meetings yeah. ever. And our leadership standing up to, yes, this is what we yeah. feel the Lord is saying for us to do and move forward. Like it was, every, everyone backed it up and it passed 100%. Yeah. And so then we're, we're, we get the realtor and the, the, the week everything's in the works but i should we should also say though that we were on this track to getting coaching and you know we had been getting counseling and different things to move into this new healthy way of doing life and doing ministry and so we were also at the same time encouraging our leadership and, and mm-hmm. other people who were very connected to pursue the same things. And people were starting to do that. People were really pursuing health for themselves and their own families, you know, changing their own habits. And, you know, so it was definitely a pivoting season of people shifting away part, from the bad habits that we all had. And part of the plan was is that Jamie and I were starting the coaching process and this coach was going to begin to work with all of us. Yes. And then we were actually going to start to work with a nationally recognized coach that they're a part of that would help coach us through the transition and yeah. the, the church plant. And so right. we were not doing this on our own. No, we definitely had a plan that we were and, following. And so the week that the church goes on the market mm-hmm. is when everything falls apart. Yeah, so it was beginning of March. Yeah, and so it all came down to is that the the start of it was is that we had missed something as pastors, uh, you know, something that was really important to somebody, Mm -hmm. and uh, we. 
And it was not our intention. We did not mean to miss this at all. Actually, it had been on my radar for sure for like the week before. And Mm -hmm. honestly, I think it was on a Friday that we missed this. And it was a Friday or a Saturday that weekend. And we actually were, again, we had come out of a season of really bad habits. And we actually had a day to unplug. And we were, you know, we were focusing on family and something like that. And anyway, we missed this thing in someone's life and come to find out that following Monday, I I had talked to him on the phone and I, I knew that something was off and finally came down to like, Hey, what's going on here? And like, well, you missed this. And I'm like, as soon as I said, it, I'm like, Oh, you're right. I missed it. And I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And it was, that was kind of like the, the, to them was the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they're like, I don't know if we're going to stay in the church now. And this was literally the best, some of the best friends we've ever had. Mm-hmm. And, and I had tried reaching out to this yeah. person and was not getting a response. And I'm like, this is not good. And, uh, you know, and I tried to own it like, Hey, we missed it. I'm yeah. sorry. And, um, again, and it, I know that this, this wasn't the issue. There, there was no, lots it revealed and lots of that obviously there were things that had been going on. That but things that we weren't willing to talk about. Cause we would ask him, are you okay? Yeah. No, we tried to yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously things had broken down to such a point that, you know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so they were part of the, the leadership team. And then we get, so we found out, they, they're like, well, we're going to pray about it and we'll let you know on Friday. Mm-hmm. Or I think we'll let you know on Saturday what we're going to do. And we had our first uh, leadership meeting where we're going to begin to really say, okay, this is a for sure thing. The church is on the market. Let's start dreaming. Let's start planning. This was a big deal. It had been on the books for at least a month. And I had to then on Saturday call our leaders and say, hey, we're going to have to pivot. Like these guys just announced that they are going to leave. Like mm-hmm. totally took us by surprise. Yeah, and the first leader that I called, um, then all this stuff came out with them like we're leaving too yeah this was on a saturday and i was at the church cleaning yeah so i'm mid i'm in the middle of cleaning the building and chris calls me and says hey you might as well come home because i think we might be done yeah and i was like what and I just said, just, just come home. I'll, I'll explain. Because at that point, because we had really decided and we had told our board, like, look, we can't go back on this. Like, if we, if we come to the church said, hey, we're planning this, we're going to sell the building, and we're going to do this, are we all in? Everybody's like, we're all in. I said, understand that if we do this and somebody bows out, um, we yeah, can't do we this. We knew we couldn't do that unless we had the support of everyone and everyone was, yeah, going to commit to this like and so yeah with two families saying that the same day out of the blue out of nowhere and then another family i just couldn't get a hold of and so we're and and then for us not to be able to get a hold of them like okay something is going on yeah so now while you might have had an emotional like just come home i was like okay thankfully i had enough sense to be like okay i know this is hard and i get why he's saying that but i was like i'm gonna finish she, yeah, i she's finished cleaning i made sure everything was right and ready for sunday morning but yeah that was hard like i'm like what's going on this is but just- you know just for me that was because i remember this person that i talked to they said well we will not be in church on sunday and i just said i says that's fine because the richardsons aren't going to be in church on sunday either 
you know, because it hit me like in that moment, like I had just felt like I, I knew that my best friends had just, just left. Yeah. And really completely unexpectedly out of the blue, these other family. Without explanation of what's really going on. That's what was really hard. And that just, that was just devastating to me in the first place Mm -hmm. that I was very close. We were very close with this other family. Mm -hmm. And that was just like ripping my heart out and not being able to get a hold of this other family that we were against super close connected with. I I, like, I, I knew at that moment that my dream had died. And I remember I was on the phone um, in my office, and I remember just like like when they're saying we're not going to be in church. I remember sitting down on the floor, and I I remember like I could barely hold it together, and I said, "Okay, we won't." And I may have even hung up on them. I mean, I that was bad, and I I knew that we were done. I knew at that moment that my dream that I've had since I was saved to pastor a church in Missoula was over with because I, I, I knew with integrity or whatever else is that we just could not proceed. And emotionally, I just didn't have it. Yeah. For the first time we came to the realization, like we've like, we have to make a decision based on what's healthy for our family. Like, we can't continue to push through this crazy stuff. No. Like. And so I, I finally got a hold of this, this, the, the other family. Um, I called, actually I called one of my good friends and I said, dude, I don't know what to do. Like, yeah. Everything I, I, everything just came crumbling down. I can understand how you'd respond that way. It was, it was just like, like everything. And like my, I like, I just shut down. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I could do is I called up one of my best friends and I called him and I said, I said, I can't, I can't. Yeah. Who's in a pastor in the middle of Montana, the state, he I was mean, four hours, four away. hours away from us probably. I don't know. And like, he thought somebody died and I'm like, no, I said, this is, I said this, I said, I'm done. And he just, he, on the phone, he goes, I'll be there tomorrow morning. Yeah. And I just, he's like, I'm like, I can't do church. He's like, I will be there tomorrow. Yeah, so. I'll do the service. You stay home. Yeah. And he came in, he brought his guitar. Cause at this point I didn't know if we had a worship team. And cause I told, cause the girl Jocelyn got home, my girls got home and I said, look, this is what's going on. None of us are going to church tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I said, please honor, you know, please understand. And he drove over four hours one way. Mm-hmm. Um, to lead the service and they came after church brought us pizza my love language is pizza mm-hmm. and uh, he's like and he's just going i'm like i don't know what to do he goes well i know this he goes don't do anything without spending some time with the lord don't make a decision while you're in this spot mm-hmm. and uh well you had reached out also though but the night before when after he agreed to come you let the um the other the other elders the other know, elders you know. know that um, your friend would be coming over to to preach and to help, but that hey, you guys, can you please just figure out? Yeah, I just I totally, I'm really sorry to do first this. First time in my life, I've never dropped anything. Yeah, and you I were just like, like I, I, I can't. Like, can't. Yeah, and uh, we met with it. We talked with the network. I told them what was going on, mm-hmm. and they're like, "We're going to support you if you want to stay, if you want to go, whatever you want to do, we support you." Yeah, yeah, so Sunday afternoon, the pastor friend came over, yeah, brought pizza over, just sat with us, just talked with us, just listened, really, um, yeah, encouraged us. And then um, 
For a couple of days, we had people just kind of coming yeah, around. Yeah, we had us other and, pastor friends yeah. that meant so much to us just drop by and just sit with us and listen and just pray with us and just hold us. While, I mean, I was just like, yeah. like I was sad, and uh, we sat down finally after praying for for a bit, and we sat down as a family, mm-hmm. and you know, it's kind of funny. We started we were at the dinner table. And just talking, and we start talking like, okay, guys, let's make a decision. And as we're sitting there, my oldest daughter, who was at uh, Reading for BSSM, her in her first year, yeah, she wasn't home. She she wasn't home, and she calls, and we're like, and Jocelyn answers. She calls me, and I ignore it because I'm like, okay, let's let's figure this out. And then Joss, she calls Jossie, and Jossie answers the phone. She goes, oh, we're having a family meeting. I'll call you back. And she hangs up the phone. And then we're like, wait, what are we doing? Jalen's our family. <laughs> so we call her back. We're like, hey, we want to have a family meeting and talk about this. And uh, I remember us, we moved to the living room. We sat down, and I said, okay, we've had a couple days to pray. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about this as a family. I said, you know, what are you thinking? And I, I can't remember. I one think of the girls. One of the girls up. just spoke up, and she goes, "Dad, you've done all that you can do, and then some, and then some, <clears throat> and it's uh, it's time to let this go." Yeah. And that was that was excruciating for me. Yeah. Because the, it was hard for all of yeah. us because it felt like defeat for all of us. Like mm-hmm. we had poured so much into trying to revitalize the church and move things forward. And it just, yeah, so many sacrifices. It, it was the death of a lifelong dream mm-hmm. is really what it was. And I mean, I, like I've never lost anybody close, but I mean, it really felt, it felt like, like death, death for sure. Did. And honestly, that's something that we've had to learn in this season. Like loss is loss and it's not anybody else's call. What's worthy of yeah. a loss to someone else. Like you have no right to judge that in someone else's life. And so, yeah, we, we were left just reeling and grieving and yeah. But I'd felt like most of my life, like this is my calling. This is my purpose to, to lead a church and to lead revival in Missoula and to have that door shut. So like, w- w- I mean, a difference that, that a day makes, like we thought that we had finally seen our path forward and that we were going to see these things take foot take shape and manifest and then to find out that a week later that we're just done mm-hmm. was hard and it just left me feeling like the biggest failure in the world and i remember um because we we had to make the decision because um the the network would would still support us if we wanted to go ahead with a sale and into the new direction and vision and they're like we you you guys if you want to you can you can continue we'll, we'll support you and I'm like, I I can't. We knew we could not. And uh, so we we handed, kind of <laughs> turned the keys over. We turned the building over to the network. Yeah. And um, they had asked me, like, do you want to do one last service? And at this point, I'm so broken that I'm like, I, I can't. Mm-hmm. And they're like going, okay. And the, the network superintendent says, well, me and a couple of the presbyters will call your congregation and tell you that you're done. And I said, I can't do that to them. Yeah, I so said, you spent two days calling every single person who attended New Life and to let them know what happened. Well, not details of what happened, but to let them know that, hey. Well, because I, I felt like it was my responsibility 
that these are people that had walked with us for for years and mm-hmm. been been there for a, a lot. And um, I wanted them to hear it from me. Yeah, as much as was appropriate to say. Yeah. Not to say gory details nope. or throw anybody under a bus or whatever. It was just, yeah. And I wanted to make sure that because we were turning the, the building and the property, you know, and this was a multi-million dollar property. Yeah, people need to understand that too. Like, especially in Missoula and where the building was located on the street it was, the dirt alone was worth millions of millions. dollars. And so, yeah. And so... um people you know i didn't want there to be rumors that the network was coming in and taking our building away it was our choice to lay it down and the district decided to um well because they they had asked me said do you think that we could we could hire a new pastor to come in and i'm like i I, without with the leadership vacuum that this just created i don't know that that a pastor it would be it it would be hard yeah as hard as it was for us to walk into what we did there's no way and there's no pastor this not that there's no pastor but i i it would be just it would hard. not be healthy to bring a pastor no. into that situation so the, then, they decided to to shut it down and so they and they had even said cuz i cuz i said well i'm going to leave it up to you what you want to do and the network a few days later came back and said we met as a presbytery and we decided that we were actually going to we're going to sell the building mm-hmm. and we're going to use that money for a future church plants yeah. and to to do something in the future yeah. and i and they said and the reason is is that we have we feel like that if the richardsons could not make this work that we don't feel like anybody can yeah and uh, you know, sixty years of bad behavior of this church is enough, mm-hmm. and we're we're gonna re we're gonna restart this because we think what you guys were doing is is from the Lord, and so that went a long ways for us because they they said, look, we've and we were very open through the whole thing, like this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. We're gonna save the rest of this now. Yeah, we're gonna save this for we're gonna do one more of Jamie and I telling our story, but let me just say that God was so faithful. Yes. We did not realize the seeds that he'd planted in us and the gifts that he'd given us that would be provision for the next season, even in in how he would work all of this out for his glory and his goodness and turn it for good. You know, and and not not even realizing how good that God could be Mm -hmm. and even the connection that we had with him, that we had with her family, like God so redeems all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, so I'm just going to tell you the next, like, this is a sad part. Yeah. This but, is the low of the low, but just hang on. We're going to show you how God redeemed this. Cause God is so good. Yeah. So we want to thank you for listening. We want to thank you for, for going on this journey with us. And, uh, Next week will be the kind of the final installment of, of this section. And we got lots of other fun podcasts. Oh, yeah. We'll have more this year. But... Lots more. But uh, we're going to call it for right now. Yeah, so thanks for listening, guys. And tune into the next one. See you later. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. Please like, subscribe, and share with your friends. And follow us on social media. And never forget, you're not alone.